Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. Okay, can you see me? Can you hear me? I can see and hear you. Perfect. How are you? It's good to see you. Good man. Are we doing video as well? Yeah, if you're cool with that. I uh, it's it'll it's you know a podcast. So it'll mostly be audio for people, but there'll be some video clips if that's cool with you. Uh, I don't know. I don't really like the way I look right now, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we can always I can always do the video and put a and put a picture of you where you look wonderful. I think you look great right now. Let's do but, that. That, okay. that sounds fun to me. Okay, cool. We'll do a. I'll I'll uh, when I do the videos, I'll just put you know, uh, uh, FB, like, we'll just, maybe we'll distort your voice. We'll put like a filter over you, like FBI yeah, interview style. Good, I'm like, I'm in the process of moving. So I don't, I just don't really like what's like around me and shit. Fair enough that we yeah. will show this to no one, everybody hearing this. I'm sorry. You'll never see, uh, James's place. Um, <laughs> if you just give, give me one second, I do have to get through a quick ad read. I apologize. That is just you know, the nature of the business. <clears throat> This episode of 39 Minute Conversations is not officially presented by 10K Runner. It's been 2023 for a couple weeks now, and many of us are starting to feel the weight of our New Year's resolutions that these promises we've made to better ourselves are forever, and they are hard. And one of my New Year's resolutions was to start running again. The unfortunate truth is that exercise is good for us, and I feel better physically and mentally when I run, and now that I know that, I can never unknow it, and I have to act on it. And when you haven't run in a while, it's easy to get discouraged. It's tough to know where to start. And that's why I use 10K Runner, an app designed to meet you at your current fitness level and build you up from there, adding time and distance every run. And by week 14, baby, you're running a 10K. I know because I've done the whole program before a couple of times. And now after a year of stress eating and couch potatoing, I'm doing it again. That's 10K Runner. Maybe this time a good decision will actually stick. And hello, I'm Brian T. Arnold. This is 39 Minute Conversations, a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and new ones. I've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. We're in the middle of a series of interviews with screenwriters featured on the 2022 Blacklist, an annual list of the best unproduced feature screenplays of the year. And my guest today wrote the Blacklist script Pop, a dark comedy about a kid who blackmails a pop star into being his best friend. He's also an actor you may have seen in Sex Lives of College Girls or American Horror Story. And he also wrote and directed and starred in I Love My Dad, a very funny comedy about a young man catfished by his own father, played by Patton Oswalt. I Love My Dad is now available on Hulu. James Morosini. James, hello. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hello. Hello, hello. Did I say your last name right? That is a, a phobia of mine every time. That, it was incredible. And I like the way you did the ad. The oh, thank you. You said, I like the way you said baby in the ad. <laughs> there was just like, you had some nice topspin to it. And I just, I just liked it. I, I would pursue buying whatever service that was for. Oh, baby. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a free app. You don't even have to oh, buy it. Baby. Oh, well, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> dude, it's really good to to meet you. I remember reading your script uh was it in the end is that yeah, right that's right oh so good man it, oh, it, dude, thank you i last year i went through the blacklist and i printed out uh the scripts that 
grabbed my attention mm-hmm. uh, and yours was sitting uh, beside my bed for a very long time. <laughs> uh, and I just, it, it was a great read. I read it very quickly and I just, uh, I was very impressed by your writing. So I was, I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in and talking with you. Oh, thanks, man. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. It's it's an honor to be on anybody's bedside table. So that feels, that feels very nice. Um, and I feel the same way. Like we were supposed to, we tried to connect last year. You reached out after you had read in the end and we were talking about getting lunch or coffee or something. And then I had to go home for a few months for a family emergency. And then it just kind of uh, fell through the cracks. And I'm now the tables have turned. You're the one on the blacklist. Uh, your script's fantastic. I'm excited to talk to you. And we're finally we're finally doing this thing. We're doing it, man. Here we are. Just two guys. Just two guys. Just two guys and the hundreds of millions of listeners that I definitely get. Yeah, that's good. That's so many. It's a lot. It's honestly a lot of pressure. And I don't, I wasn't prepared for this level of success this quickly. Uh, yeah. But man, it's, it's wild out there. It's remarkable. It's, it's like, I just can't believe there's that many. I, it almost feels like you're being like, I would think that you're being sarcastic about that mm-hmm. number, but I don't, I don't want to assume you're being sarcastic. Yeah. Why would I be? No. You know, it's not like, you know, I, people know people out there, like, if I was lying, they would, you know, somebody would call me out on it, but nobody, right. nobody right. does. Nobody has. That makes a lot of sense. It does. I, I try to make sense. Um, so, James, with most of my guests so far, I, I knew them in the pre, you know, the pre-pandemic times that we've been in the last few years. So a lot of the podcast has been catching up with people and, you know, that I have lost touch with and being a shut-in. But like you said, we have never, this is the first time we've talked out loud outside so um i don't know i don't know you on that level so i am curious I know, just me i like your face i like Dude, your face i like your face thank you <laughs> um i don't you're, you're not letting people see it but like you got a good face oh i know i just i don't want them to get like jealous of the fate you mm. know what I mean? so yeah yeah i don't want that, them to be like, yeah that so makes like the worst picture of me that you can find on the internet. That's not going to be easy to find. You're a, you're a, so you're funny. a, <laughs> all right. I will, I'll run a few by you just to make okay. sure. Um, so I'm curious, how is this James that I am meeting and getting to know, how are you different than the James I maybe would have met in 2018 or 2019? What, um, how have the last few years changed you? Wow. That's a great question. Um, you know, man, I think I'm pretty similar. I think I'm maybe more focused than I was in 2018, uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. I think I have more creative confidence than I had mm-hmm. at that point in my life. I think like uh, something I'm reflecting a lot on is there's the quality of your work and then there's the quality of your relationship to your work mm-hmm. and how much you believe in it. And I think there's the saying that people throw around, like, believe in yourself, believe in your work. But like, our business is really built upon you having real confidence in your work. Yeah, people are going to have to have real confidence in your work. And so Mm -hmm. I think um, recognizing that as uh, a, a meaningful element of us being able to do anything has has changed my relationship to the to the work I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also, I teach, I'm, I'm teaching a class at USC now. And I think that has 
changed my relationship to the way that I think about my own work. Uh, just hearing how uh, common so many of the things we face uh, are has just made me feel uh, slightly less terminally unique and has allowed me to have more of a sense of humor around when I'm stuck or mm -hmm. in creative crisis. I feel like I just understand my creative brain better and I'm able to give myself more latitude to not know what I'm doing. And, and mm -hmm. I, I know I have better strategies as to how I should show up now. Um, so for a while, were you maybe more of the the tortured artist type of like, this is, and now you're a little bit, have more of a sense of humor about it or like, again, I'd like to hear more about bad. how this changed. I, yeah. Yeah. Like I still get into that tortured artist zone occasionally, but I like feel like I know how to make fun of myself when I'm there. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that whole thing of like not knowing what to do and this and that there's this like martyrdom element of it that I think is very seductive to writers and artists. Yeah. It makes us feel like we're involved with something crucially meaningful uh, to the universe and that our lives have so much meaning because mm -hmm. we're just stuck on this important thing. And I, I've just found it really important as of late to kind of let the air out of that hmm. existential balloon and just be like, dude, all right, what are you trying to figure out? How are you going to figure it out? Can yeah. you ask people for help? Like, do you need to go back to an outline? Do you need mm -hmm. to talk with somebody about it? Like, it doesn't have to be the most dramatic thing in the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's this saying, like, have a boring life so that you can have crazy, <laughs> exciting work. And mm -hmm. I, I, that's something that really resonates with me. It's like, how can I just have, like, stability and consistency in my life so that I'm not so so that I can allow myself to be completely free in my expression when I'm writing or, or directing or acting. I think that's I think there's a good point to that because there is something that is seductive a little bit about like, you know, I'm a starving artist and I'm, you know, like I need to struggle to like I I personally like I am such a I'm such a basic bitch that like when I can feel my own like Maslow's hierarchy of needs inside me that like like, oh no, the rent's going to be a little tight this month. Boy, writing, like, then it's just like, well, what other jobs do, can I, what other jobs can I do? What can I, like, and I have a hard time feeling creative when I don't have at least some level of stability. People who can, you know, not know where their next ch check's coming from or how they're going to eat this month, like, good on you if you can still create, but that is not something that's in me. I, I don't, I don't think I need to have some level of you know, uh, privilege and comfort and so privileged, but some level of comfort. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. It's, it's just such a, it's such a good question. I think more than anything, I feel like my, I like, I know what I, I'm better at discerning what is a voice of fear internally. And then mm. what, what is real uh, kind of like insight or, kind of like where the difference between me being scared internally and not wanting to do something versus kind of like my inner boxing coach. It's like, why, you know, just kind of helping me, like pushing me along. Like, why don't you just mm -hmm. show up for 10 minutes today? You can do 10 minutes yeah. or, you know, maybe you should go back to an outline or whatever. Like I'm better at just listening to that voice and knowing that what it's telling me to do is 
probably the thing that I should do next. It's good that you have that voice. Cause yeah, I think I, again, I think that's something that is such a balance. I remember like my, my background is uh, I did a lot of improv and sketch comedy for, for years. And then I remember like when I started writing features, I was trying to write this political thriller and it did okay. People liked it, but it didn't go anywhere. Uh, but I remember I was talking to my girlfriend at the time and I was like, I'm just trying to be like a more serious artist now, I think. And how much she laughed in that moment. Uh, <laughs> the idea of me being a serious artist, I was like, uh-uh, but I am though. I, and I, but I do think there's a line and a balance to like, I want to make serious stuff, but you, you know, don't want to be pretentious and, and douchey about it. And you want to, you know, not beat yourself up and to just like, no, I'm just, I'm writing a script. It's going to be what it's going to be. And, you know, some days it's harder than others and, but it's eventually going to be something. And that's, that's the kind of perspective that I think is probably the healthiest to take. I think so too, man. I'm curious what, what's your relationship to outlining and mm -hmm. how much do you feel like you have to know before you start writing something? That's interesting because I literally was talking to my, my manager about that today. Uh, I've been trying to outline more. I've never been a huge outliner. And I think that comes from how much improv I've done and how much like I kind of base what's happening in the movie on the characters. And like when I'm in an outline form, I barely know these people. I don't know how they talk. I don't know what directions they're going to take me. Um, so I've been trying to outline. And today, today my manager is like, well, how's that script coming? I was like, well, I'm trying. He's like, just, just stop outlining. Just, just go to pages. That's fine. Like if that's what's going to work for you, uh, do it. So I, I, my outlines typically are, you know, five or six beats that I know I have to hit. I know what the ending is and what the beginning is. I know the midpoint. I know, you know, big moments, but I like to kind of let my characters get there, you know, find their way there and feel it out. How about you? What's, what's your relationship to outlining? To be honest, it's like different every time. Hmm. Sometimes I'll generate a massive outline and then I'll start writing and go, oh, none of this matters at all. And it's like not actually that helpful. Sure. I mean, for me, it's like, how do I just keep myself out of feeling like I'm doing uh, like schoolwork? You know, mm -hmm. like, I, how do I just make it fun? And how do I like follow kind of my uh, creative impulse? You know, like, mm -hmm. of, like today I wrote for an hour or two and then it was like, felt kind of stuck. So then I went on a long walk, mm -hmm. listening to music. And then it's like, I feel like what I need to work on or know will just like come up and it'll be like, oh yeah, that, that section needs to move here or I need to make this clearer or, mm -hmm. um, but I kind of, I don't know with this project I'm writing now, I'm kind of like back and forth between pages. And then when I get, when I start feeling like very lost in the woods and mm -hmm. I don't like losing track of what is actually important to the story and what needs to happen, uh, I'll return, I'll zoom out and I'll, I'll go back to some sort of a beat sheet or an outline. Hmm. Uh, I find that I'm able to write a lot more if I have a sense of where I'm going or like I have, uh, the next scenes somewhat mapped out, but I don't know, man, it's so different every process. And like, mm -hmm. it's such a, it's such an intuitive part of the process where like, I want to feel like I'm on the edge of what's going to happen next, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be so far over my skis where I'm like, 
oh, I literally, this is just kind of rambling and going nowhere. Sure. No, totally. And I do think sometimes, I'll tell you in the end, like I don't want to, obviously we can't spoil too much about these different projects of ours that aren't out yet and may, you know, may, may exist at some point in the future, hopefully. But I remember there was one point where like this very important character um, who at this, at this junction in the script, I think shows up on page eight or 10, like somewhere in that range, there was a draft of it where she showed up on page 40 and it's like one of the main characters. I'm like, well, this isn't working. So I, I outlining would probably save me time, but I'm sure it would, but I feel like I can't, you know, I, I don't know if I can feel that out. Like when it does feel like doing homework, I think I need to, you know, see what the script feels like and then, and then adjust inside of it. And it's probably extra work for me, but it's the only way I've gotten my brain to really work, you know? I feel the same way, man. And like, sometimes I have to, I have to see it on the page and like go the wrong direction mm-hmm. so that I can be like, oh, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it helps me understand like, what are people going to be coming to see this movie for? Like, what's, mm-hmm. what's, what is its creative value so that I can then like double down on that and then also get clearer when I do go back to outline I mean I'm usually I usually outline after the first draft really mm-hmm. I mean I, I have a sense of it in the you know and I'm always trying to like figure out how it can be more efficient but I don't know if I don't really know if I can be honestly I think it's like I just have to write like several kind of wonky drafts mm-hmm. and like just understand like the shape of the thing and then I understand like Oh, uh, you know, it starts to clarify uh, through a lot of banging my head against the wall. Yeah, the last the last thing I wrote, I will say, the last thing I wrote um, was an adaptation. hasn't been announced yet uh, of a of a graphic novel, and it was a different kind of writing because basically, have you ever? I don't know if you've written an adaptation before um, uh, of a short of a story. I have okay, uh, but not of a book or anything. It, it, I don't know if you felt this, but like, it was almost like my first step was like from day one, I was just rewriting. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like I had, I had a blueprint in front of me, you know, I, I pitched on it. So I had a very basic outline, but then it was just, it was so much easier. It was a lot easier writing it, knowing what was next, you know? And no, so like, I would love to be able to do that with everything original of mine to have that degree of knowing, but whenever I do that, like it's a hard, I have a hard time knowing what's working and not working. And then until I actually see it on the page. So it is, yeah, for me, I wish I was a better outliner. It's something I need to get better at if I continue to to work in this business. Um, Because like, you know, when you get brought on to a studio project or something, I'm told is when like, oh yeah, you're going to get paid for outlines. Every, every outline's a step that, you know, you have to do an outline to get to the next point. So I need to get better at it. But at this point in my career and, and, and how I've written, it hasn't been my, it's been, it's in the, it's been the bane of my existence a little bit. If you were to approach doing an outline on a newer project, mm-hmm. what would be the steps you'd take to approach doing it? Oh man, I, it's a good question. And I, I mean, I've done a couple outlines of this new one and got notes from my team and, you know, gone back into it. And part of me is always just, it feels so honestly, at this point, if I, I would probably write a script on my own and then turn that into an outline and turn that in, that would probably be what I would do. And it's not, it's just not something that I, maybe I would try to do it like, maybe include a little bit of dialogue, maybe try to get into the characters a little bit, 
Um, because I think that's what holds me back the most is not knowing who the characters are and letting them dictate the story to me as, as pretentious as that sounds, it's does is kind of how it feels to me. Um, so I think I would need to maybe get even more like in like into the characters even more than the structure because the structure is important, but it's maybe my least favorite thing to play with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you in 20, you've made a few things at this point in 2018, you wrote and directed your first micro budget feature, um, three, something, um, what was it like getting your first thing made? Like, what was that process like uh, of actually like, oh, I'm going to finally, I'm going to make something. Yeah. So I'd made a lot of shorts prior to three something. Hmm. Uh, I went to USC for theater where I also made tons of stuff while I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, and then after that, I mean, I, I, I knew I wanted to make a feature, but I didn't know how to make one. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seemed like a lot more to coordinate the short. Sure. It seemed just kind of, uh, an overwhelming prospect mm-hmm. and I ran into a filmmaker at the Oaks Gourmet here in Los Angeles oh I'm familiar yeah and he was like uh I, I went up to him and I asked him like how do I make a sh- how do I make a feature and he's like dude just start making it and <laughs> ail your way through it yeah and then you have a movie at the end of it and then make another one and make another one um and so I took his advice to heart and I uh I had kind of a, a, a rel like an outline basically, uh, and then we like did a ton of improv and a ton mm-hmm. of reshooting, and mm-hmm. I kind of like made the movie and wrote it as I was making it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made it for barely any money with one of my best friends, um, and um, yeah, that's that's how we made it. We made it in 2016. Okay, and then, uh, I edited it. And, and taught myself how to um, how to do a lot with Premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I also ran sound on it. We produced it. It was a very small movie. Sure, we acted in it together, uh, and then we sold it. We, we took it to some festivals, and we sold it to a company called Gravitas. Mm-hmm. Um, but my really- old, yeah, my old roommate released a movie with Gravitas too. So like, I'm I'm familiar. They do a lot of good indies. Look good, small yeah. little, yeah. Totally. And they're really, they're really straightforward with us. And, and, um, and yeah, man, I mean, I, it kind of just like taught me how to make a movie. I -hmm. wouldn't have been able to make, I love my dad. Had I not done three something prior because Mm I, I learned so much through that workflow. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely an experience I'd suggest to anybody who wants to make features is like, don't wait until you have the perfect conditions to go make your first one mm-hmm. just like go out and try to make one and like it's okay if it's not perfect yeah it doesn't really matter financiers and actors of note are so gun shy to work with people that are making their first feature mm-hmm. um that uh it's useful to have one under your belt as I'm saying that, though, I don't know if that's 100% true, because I think if you, were to make, if you were to take that level of energy that you put into a kind of wonky 
I, I stand behind my first a lot sure. of effort, but 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 like if you're if you spread out your effort over that over ninety minutes as opposed to focusing it in you know five to ten of a really good short, yeah. Personally, if I if I were to consider acting in someone's project and they had like an amazing short versus like a pretty good movie, I would choose the person with the 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 solid short. Interesting. That's for, that's for directors, I think. Uh, yeah. More than anything else, but yeah. No, that's interesting because I've I've had that kind of internal debate with myself over. I haven't directed a ton, but eventually that is kind of where I want to get to. Um, and I've been talking about like, should I do, I talked to one guest who was like, oh yeah, you have to do a bunch of shorts first to kind of get a feel for like how to make something. And I talked to somebody else who was like, oh no, no, just like, just make a feature. Like, just like, so like, I don't think there's, it's just like anything else in this town. There's no one way to do it. Um, if you had to go back, do you think you would have still, do you think you would have made that feature or do you think you would have like focused on a, on a more concrete short? No, I'm glad I made the feature. It gives you the opportunity to exhibit the film in a way Mm -hmm. that shorts don't necessarily. Uh, I think there's something really empowering about having a bunch of people show up to a movie theater to watch a movie you made. Hell yeah. And there's also a lot of value, I think, about uh, around being able to say you've made a feature. Mm -hmm. Um, So, no, I I mean, I had also made tons of shorts, but... um, no, I, I was. I'm happy that I that I made that that movie. I made another one after it that uh, we never released. Oh, okay. Uh, and then after that, I kind of got, I doubled down on my uh, my my pursuit around my screenwriting. Like I mm-hmm. really focused in on uh, refining the way I approach my screenplays. Um, and speaking of you um won the 2020 screencraft uh fellowship right with i love my dad yeah the 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 screencraft comedy competition okay yeah it was over uh so over like 2300 other other people uh and that kind of caught the attention of Patton's team Mm. is what brought that project into his life um and so it was definitely very useful uh, and they've been great since my winning that, uh, you know, I've, I continue to like bounce ideas off of them and they're, they're, they're really a useful resource. People. I love that because I, I also, I think I owe a lot of my career to contests as well. And there are people online who, you know, aren't big fans of contests who don't think, you know, that they're worth it. And I think, um, I think we're both kind of evidence that like, no, I mean, it's just, it's one particular possible path out of many. Uh, and are there scam contests? I'm sure there are. Um, but I wouldn't have met my team. I, in the end, won um, uh, script pipeline competition in oh, uh, cool. 2021. And so that introduced me to my managers and agents. And then, you know, that thing gets optioned in blacklist. So I, yeah, I, I, I understand sort of maybe the trepidation around contests and there are a lot of entries in it and it's hard, but it is a very viable path that can lead places. I think there's also something to be said about just like buying lottery tickets <laughs> in our sure. career, uh, and how that can actually like, whether the hope is real or false, 
sometimes doesn't matter if it just keeps you on the tracks. Like the people that tend to do well uh, in what we're trying to do are just the people that like stay in it mm-hmm. and stay enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. And so even having submitted to a contest and you don't find out for another few months it gives you something to look forward to. And then yep. by the time you find out, you already have other stuff going on in your life mm-hmm. and you've already put other irons in the fire. But like, uh, I found that it's just really important to have things on your calendar that you're like, wow, I wonder what's going to happen with this or that. Like mm-hmm. it keeps things, um, hopeful feeling, I guess. No, absolutely. I, after I wrote for, I was doing sketch, like I said, I was doing sketch comedy and improv for a long time. And I wasn't really focused on feature writing during that. Um, and I wrote for this CBS comedy showcase. That was a lot of fun, but it kind of felt like there aren't that many sketch comedy jobs anymore. And I feel like I've kind of gone as far as I'm going to in this and, oh yeah, I moved out here to write movies. I should do that. So I had finished that CBS, uh, thing. And then I was like, I should, I should write a feature. It's been a little while. When is the nickel deadline? And it was like a week away. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to write this feature in a week. And, um, granted it, it was like, it didn't make the quarterfinals that year, but it made, it was, it did better than it should have for something I wrote in a week, but it is something that deadlines or just, you know, this is such a nebulous existence of, you know, you can write forever or never write and having something to look forward to some kind of deadline, self-imposed something. I think that's immensely helpful. Yeah. I I found it to be for sure. Um, Let's talk about, I know, I'm sure you've talked about it ad nauseum at this point, you've done the full press tour, but um, I love my dad. I watched it uh, the other night. It's so funny. It's so good. Uh, And it is, um, it is like a very, for people who haven't seen it, it's about this young man who has a rough relationship with his dad and blocks his dad on social media. The dad, we have about 10 minutes left. This is flying. Uh, The the dad uh, um, creates a fake profile of a young woman to catfish his son into like being able to talk to him. The son falls in love with this, with his, with his dad, awkward hilarity ensues. And what's so, and one of the things that's so interesting about it is this is based on something that happened to you. It's a, it is a true ish story. That's how, as writers, I know we pan kind of the hard, weird things in our lives, but often, you know, we're kind of hiding it in something else. We're hiding it in a story that's unrelated, like just whatever character details we draw from ourselves or other people. But you took something very raw and personal and real and like, I'm just going to, this is the movie. How did that, how did that feel to get that real with it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wrote it at a point in my life where I started to lose faith in anything of mine getting made mm-hmm. and getting like real financing for anything that I was making. So I, I don't know if I would have written something as personal had I known that this is definitely going to get made. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a part of it was almost like a dare in writing it. <laughs> it like I was kind of daring myself to write it. And then another part of me was kind of going, I almost felt like I was going like, look, I'm bearing my soul and you're still not going to make it. Like, a, mm-hmm. a, like, I almost felt like I was challenging the, <laughs> like, the, you know, people, whatever, like the way to, to make. And then I ended up just being like, I'm going to make this no matter what. But yeah, um, but yeah, man, it's like 
it does it still feels like you know the movie's not one for one sure in my life so it does still feel like Removed. metaphorically embedded mm-hmm. uh, in the story that i created if that makes sense mm-hmm. It does have a lot of real personal details in there, but sure. it's so heightened. And I, I just kind of took a total creative license with my telling of the story mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, um, the, the kind of vulnerability that I was asking of myself when I wrote it and when I made it was kind of the fun of it for me. It was like, how raw can I be in mm. making and how weird can I make myself feel as mm-hmm. I tell? Um. So you've gone at this point. You've obviously you've acted in some other stuff. You uh, before you make this, you've directed some smaller things. Did you have to fight for I'm going to direct this and I'm going to star in it too, or did that just like all kind of fall together? Uh, I knew I wanted to direct it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we got to a point where we were looking for Franklin uh it just became like i i just i was like i think i can do this i don't know i i felt uh confident and i knew it was going to be a lot to ask from our financiers so i basically uh i did a uh, like a screen test with Patton that i so i basically shot a scene with Patton myself mm-hmm. so that i could cut it together and have a sense of like all right does this even work you know, do I buy it? And Pat and I both liked the idea a lot. And so then we positioned it with the rest of the team and everyone else was on board and, and we went for it. Um, and it made the process uh, a lot of fun, man. I mean, it made it a lot more of a challenge in a lot of ways, but like, yeah. it was fun being so completely immersed in something. Was it intimidating to go from directing like, you know, smaller stuff? You're obviously used to directing yourself and your friends and other I'm sure other great actors, but you know, this movie has Patton, Oswalt, and Rachel Dratch and uh, Amy Landecker and and so many talented people. Like on the first day, were you feeling like I'm ready for this or were you feeling, uh, what have I gotten myself into? I think maybe a combination of the two. Um, I did so much prep mm-hmm. for the movie where I, I storyboarded the entire movie. I did tons of rehearsal. Uh, I had a really clear sense of what the movie was going to be. So I went in knowing exactly the movie that I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I never felt totally like a fish out of water. I also just feel like I've been in so many situations where I, that feeling has come up. And what I'll often do is I'll just like not give myself permission to feel that. And I'll just <laughs> okay. go, Dude, you're doing it. Don't overthink it. This is what you're doing. Like, uh, I tend to find that like, if you just decide this is what's happening and this is what I'm doing, mm-hmm. people don't question it unless you, <laughs> unless you falter and then yeah. they do, uh, if you're kind of doing it and you're not sure about yourself, that's when people go like, hold on a second. This got, there's something seems out of place here. Yeah. Otherwise people are just like, oh yeah, sure. That, that makes sense. I guess you're doing this. Like, uh, so I just tried to not 
ask myself too many questions or overthink it, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And something I think I would struggle with. It's good that you're able to turn that part of your brain off. And obviously the movie does very well. It it's, uh, wins the audience award and the grand jury award at, at South by Southwest. Um, then it, now it's on Hulu and everybody should check it out. It's very funny. Um, we're ra running rapidly out of time. So I do want to very quickly talk about your blacklist script pop. Um, how did it feel? We don't want to give anything away. Obviously it's, it's, been optioned um and it's you know i'm sure are you directing that one or do you know yet i'm gonna be directing that one yeah nice congrats it's it's a very good script i really loved it um one thing i noticed in the writing of it is it it did feel like a director was writing it you definitely direct on the page and i think that's it made it so easy and clear to see and i think that's something that you know we're often kind of steered away from because most of us aren't going to be directing it did you know at the top that you were going to like, oh, I'm going to direct this. This script is my own blueprint more than, you know, trying to attach somebody else. I think I knew I was going to direct it, but I don't, I tend to write that way no matter what, just because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I'm honestly just trying to be like, how can I communicate the thought in my brain uh, on paper? And a lot of times I won't uh, sure. go back and adjust the way it comes out for, in the first permutation. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, for me, it's like, can you see the movie that's on the page? That's, that's, that's yeah. what I, that's the benchmark. It's a great script. I'm looking for, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what that turns into. On the day of the blacklist announcements, were you expecting it or not expecting it? That sounds so, uh, so arrogant were you did you were you surprised were you like did you think there's a possibility or I like how did that feel that day completely surprised uh for the past probably like four or five years i've read the blacklist every mm -hmm. year like i printed out a bunch of my favorite ideas and then i've read them and it's been a goal of mine uh mm -hmm. for, for a long time to get on there uh because i've just like i really admire a lot of the other writers on there and a lot of the other projects um and so, yeah, man, it, it meant so much to me to, to be among so many other great writers. And like, I just feel like I'm constantly learning from all of my peers. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll be hitting you up after this to, to ask you a billion questions about how you wrote your, uh, the scripts I've read of yours. And yeah, we definitely need to like do this, like not in front of the millions of people who are listening and actually, I, and actually get into it on a deeper level. Um, and we have about a minute and a half. So real fast. Um, is there, where can people follow you? Is there anything else that you want to plug? Uh, I'm on Instagram as James Morsini. Mm. Um, and in terms of plugging, I, I don't know. No, I mean, I, I think go check out. I love my dad on Hulu. Yes, definitely. Let me know what you think. Okay. With our remaining time, very little, about a minute. I do want to get into the deep deeper questions. Okay. So if someone were to tell you right now, and I don't know why they do this, but this is a theoretical exercise. If someone were to say for the rest of your career, you can only write, you can only direct, or you can only act, pick one. What would you do? Oh gosh. I'd be like, who the fuck is this person? How did, <laughs> what, what are, why are they? What? This is a person with a lot of power. This is, this is a supernatural figure. Um, I think I would, well, like acting is so, you're so beholden to what's out there. So if it was the best material ever we're talking about, then mm. I don't know, pro probably direct then. I mean, but if, cause I just, 
I, I like having a lot of control, but if it, but I love acting. I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I fucking love, I like them all. It's hard to, yeah. I, I would, this guy would probably kill me. I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> um, if you weren't in this industry, what do you think you'd be doing with your life and career? I think I'd probably, I don't know. I'd want to maybe be like a secret agent or something. <laughs> or, <laughs> or like a, maybe a lawyer or a doctor or something, or uh, like a, a. Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39 Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay too. Thank you and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.